Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game from Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA, and all state insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet. Happy sixth birthday to us. April 30th, 2014 was the first Philly Press Box radio show with our special guest, the sports junkie, Kevin McClure. And, you know, as Whitey would say, hard to believe, Harry. Yeah, here we are six years and 285 shows later. I was just looking at the list of guests that we've had over these six years, Bill. We've had now more than 100 different guests, including 15 first-timers since our fifth anniversary show a year ago, such as Lou Scheinfeld, Crystal Rich, Paul Hagen, Ryan Spader, Willie Montanez, Brian Michael, Taryn Hatcher, Tom Cunningham, and in the past month alone, we've had three new ones, Ray Fossey, Mark Carfagno, and the great Bernie Perron. So it's been quite a fun ride, Bill, and might as well keep doing it, huh? Absolutely. Six years, man. It is. It has absolutely flown by. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, 285 shows. I think we could call ourselves survivors. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I didn't think we'd do it this long, to be honest. Usually, you know, these things come and go. People decide, yeah, let's do a show. And you, you do a couple of them and you realize it's a lot of work and you don't know how many people are listening. But we've carried on. We've grown a nice little audience. And uh, here we are, six years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Jen, let's get to business. The Eagles raised a few eyebrows in the in the first couple of rounds of the NFL draft, but finished with a ton of speed. And uh I thought Howie Roseman was getting run out of town after that uh, that second round. Well, I'll tell you, some fans and experts do like the draft picks, but there are certainly far more detractors, especially in terms of that controversial second round selection bill, Jalen Hurts. I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, and here, courtesy WIP and 97.5, the fanatic, are what Seth Joyner, Mike Missinelli, and Ray Dittinger had to say. I am in a state of shock. You have a franchise quarterback that you just signed at $35 million a year for the next four years. What the hell are you drafting a quarterback for at 53? Front office doesn't really know what the hell they're doing. They throw stuff at a wall in light of the fact that their second pick was Jalen Hurts, which is one of the most ridiculously illogical draft picks in Eagle history. I'm still picking my jaw up off the floor. I've been looking at Eagles drafts now for going on 50 years. I don't think there's ever been a pick that has stunned me the way this stunned me. Everything is about situation and fit. And for as many times as they tell me this is a great fit, I can give you 10 why it's not. Well, uh, we're going to sort it all out uh, with both our guests tonight. First, we have Inquire.com Eagles beat writer Paul Domowich in, in the first half. Second half, we'll have Fred Hugo joining us. So it, it's going to be good conversation here tonight because uh, somebody's going to find the, the the rainbow in this. And uh, maybe it's Paul, maybe it's Fred, or maybe it's me and you, Chet. But uh, before we get started, let's remind our listeners and, and now viewers that Philly Press Box Radio Sports Trivia will be coming up again tonight at 8 p.m., actually 8.05, on Bill Furman, my, my Facebook Live page. We've been having a lot of fun with that, so we're going to do it again tonight. You know, I have a complaint about your trivia show, but I'll save that for later because we have our guests ready to go. So uh, let's get to it. Let's do it. Let's uh, roll. Welcome, Paul Donaldwich, back to Philly Press Box Radio. Paul, we certainly have a lot to talk about, my friend. Yeah, it's been an eventful uh, past few days. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, welcome back, Paul. And let's get to it. There's been so much attention on the second round pick in recent days, but some of the focus on the first rounder has been lost, I guess, in the meantime. What is your view of that 21st overall pick, the wide receiver, Jalen Rager, and whether he'll be an immediate contributor to the Eagles? Yeah, I didn't like it. You know, I mean, I, Justin Jefferson was the obvious pick there. I thought he's, I think he's a better wide receiver. You know, Ray, they love Rager's speed. Uh, he, he's, he's a guy you can line up inside and outside. He's a vertical threat. He's a guy you can use on gadget plays. And I'm not saying he's not going to be able to play in this league. I'm just saying, they made the wrong choice. Uh, Minnesota took 
Justin Jefferson with the pick right after that, and uh, I thought it was was the, was the way they should have went. Well, Paul, do you think with Rigger that they're they're looking for a Deshaun Jackson replacement? Do you think those two can coexist, be on the field at the same time, and put that speed out there to stretch defenses with with that those two guys? I mean, it's possible in some personnel packages. I mean, they've also got you know two tight ends to figure out how to use. You know, Deshaun's only going to be around one more year. Uh, you know, we're assuming he's going to stay healthy this year. Uh, unlike last year. So they clearly had a type going into this draft, especially with wide receivers. It was speed, uh, you know, but fast guys, you know, I can go down the street and find fast guys. I want guys that can also play. And I'm not sure they picked the right guys that can play. Yeah, I saw your article the other day, and that was the headline. They got speed, but can these guys play? So, I mean, they have ha- uh, Hightower, Kaz Watkins. They got uh, Marquise Goodwin in a trade. Do you see any of these guys sticking and helping? I mean, Rager's got the best chance. And I'm like I said, I'm not saying he's he can't play and won't help them, I, although I doubt he's going to help them day one. Uh, I just, I mean, Justin Jefferson was just such an overwhelming uh, choice. I mean, the guy just tore it up last year uh, in, in L- at LSU. I, you know, my, my understanding is that they felt he could only play the slot. Well, I mean, he ran a 4-4-3 at the Combine. Uh, he played outside in 2018. Whoever in the organization made that determination, I think, is absolutely wrong. Uh, I, you know, the only way we'll find out is in three years, see who's been more productive, whether it's Jefferson or Rieger. Uh, you had mentioned the word fit earlier. I mean, that's clearly important to them. I think we're going to see a lot more, I want to say, well, you're going to see a lot more gadget play type stuff from them this year they're they're doing a lot of the stuff we saw from san francisco with debo samuel we're going to have end rounds and jet sweeps and a lot of bubble screens and i think they see a lot of that in rieger well it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out if uh, obviously they can't afford a miss in round one because now they've got a question in round two and jalen hurts uh, obviously we're not in the building so we don't know what the plan is for hurts i have to think um, uh, you know, I guess he was the best athlete on the board if you want to take that approach. But and I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. It just didn't seem like the right time to take a guy like him. Yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. I know most people have trashed it. I mean, they need a backup quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking Carson Wentz has played nine snaps in six playoff games over the last three years. Uh, there's no reason to believe at this point that 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 can't happen again so i mean they had to solidify the backup position they think this kid can be ultimately for the next over the next four years a a solid backup that if anything does happen to carson uh they can turn to him he also gives them another dimension you're going to see packages with him uh because of the running ability i mean marty morningweg uh coached lamar jackson two years ago in baltimore when he was a rookie um, so we're, you know, I mean, the, the, the gripe I heard is that, you know, why do you pay 123 or whatever it is, $127 million to, uh, Carson Wentz and then bringing in a backup with a second round pick, uh, you know, well, first of all, he's, he's not, I mean, they can still cut the cord with Carson if he has two, two more years of, of injuries. I mean, he's not guaranteed all 106 million of his guarantee until after 2022. So, uh, but that's not why they brought this kid in there. I mean, they want Carson Wentz to succeed. They expect him to succeed. They're just trying to cover their, their butts in case he keeps getting hurt. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I watched, I think every game this kid played at Oklahoma last year. I mean, I love him. He's, I do too. He's got some, you know, he's got some things that he needs to develop. Accuracy isn't one of them, which was mistakenly pointed out. I mean, he's a very accurate quarterback. He just wasn't asked to read uh, defenses a lot beyond the first read, beyond the second read. Uh, but that's, I mean, he's a smart kid. He's going to learn that. Uh, he's not going to be a problem for Carson because, I mean, he lost his job in Alabama and spent two years there, stayed there, was an important part of that team, never griped when they needed him in the SEC championship game two years ago after Tua gets hurt. He steps right in and, and helps him win the game and, and go to the national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I have no problems with that. I, you know, that 
second would you would you have liked to get him in the third round sure but they weren't going to because baltimore was going to take him with the 71st pick in the third round which was like 13 from where they took him uh so they would have never had the chance i mean we're talk- we're not talking about a guy they took in the first round you know this was the 53rd pick uh i can go through a half a dozen guys they could have taken with that pick instead and all would have been uh projections as far as the success rate i mean nothing's certain for certain in this league what is certain is that you need a backup quarterback and i think that's why i like this pick well a lot of people are wondering what this will do for the uh, psyche of carson wentz you don't think it's going to be a problem but as you said they just paid carson the big money last year uh i gotta think he said all the right things but don't you think wentz is thinking you know what the hell are they doing here bringing in my potential replacement right here what is going through his mind do you think I mean, Carson's a big boy. Uh, you know, this is the NFL. Uh, I don't really care what he's thinking. Uh, he, I think he knows that they believe he's the starting quarterback. I think they also know, and he also knows, and they've probably told him, hey, you know, look at your injury history. We got, you know, we need insurance here. We're not bringing this kid in to, to, to beat you out. You just keep playing uh, and developing the way you are, and everything will be fine. But, you know, we've got to cover our butts. So, you know, is he going to be annoyed when he's asked the question a lot early on about this kid and how many reps he took in practice each week? Yeah, but he'll be able to deal with it. He's he's a little bit his psyche's a little stronger than people seem to want to give him credit for. Hey, Paul, I always look at the offensive line, and uh, there's big changes in the air um, with with Peters and uh, Vitae and all that. We go ahead and we draft both tackles out of Auburn. Thought it was interesting taking two from the same team. Uh, any chances of fourth, fourth and six rounders that these guys can make the team, or uh, or, or not so much? I think they're both going to be going to the uh, 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 to the Jeff Stoutland uh, School of Learning. Uh, they're both developmental players, especially the the Nigerian kid that they took uh, in the was sixth round. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sixth round. So, uh, I mean, they've got some potential. These, you know, both both good college players. I don't think they're going to help anytime soon. I think Driscoll, uh, you know, at some point, may challenge Matt Pryor for the backup guard job. Uh, and the other kid, Prince, I think they want him to eventually just be uh, competitive enough to maybe challenge for the backup tackle job with, uh, you know, with the Australian kid. Uh, assuming Andre Dillard, uh, you know, cuts it and can play the left tackle for them. I know the Eagles have kind of devalued the whole linebacker situation, but they did draft three of them. I know you talked to Brian Baldinger the other day, and he was not a fan of the guy they took in the third round, Davion Taylor of Colorado. They also got uh, the kid from Temple, Sean Bradley, and then a seventh rounder, Casey Tuhill. Um, what's your opinion of Taylor, and can Sean Bradley step in and perhaps contribute? Bradley, I like. I mean, I think I think he's got a chance to to be a bottom of the roster guy initially. Uh, tough player, got some decent size. You know, I share Brian's opinion of the third rounder. Uh, you know, we talked to him, and he seems like a terrific kid. But he's you know he didn't play high school ball. Played two years at a community college. What he is is fast. He ran a four three nine at Colorado's pro day before everything got shut down. Um, but you know, he play, he also started two years at Colorado and did not force a single turnover. You know, for a linebacker, that's pretty hard to do. I mean, as, when you got that kind of speed and haven't knocked the ball loose, haven't stepped in front of a pass and intercepted, it tells me that, that speed's being negated by a lack of instincts. You're just not getting there quick enough. Uh, you know, Brian, as Brian put it, you know, you watch the tape of Colorado and you don't see the kid, uh, which is kind of scary. So, you know, he'll help on special teams early on. I think they view him more. I mean, what they're looking at in linebackers is is different than five years ago. It's They're looking for a safety, essentially. They're looking for guys that can cover, which is why the speed is such an important factor with this guy. They, I think they feel that he's the kind of guy you can move around in sub-packages and kind of disguise your coverages and, and not allow the offense to know what you're doing. I just, boy, the lack of experience and the lack of, of, of impact he had at Boise in his two years as a starter uh, just scares me. I, you know, like I said, he seemed like a good kid, and I, 
you know, I hope he succeeds, but they could have done better with that third round pick. Yeah, I have to ask you about the uh, the undrafted free agent running back Adrian Killens. I got to see a good bit of him down at Central Florida. Uh, he's undersized, certainly. Is he a guy that can sneak in and make this team and contribute a little bit for him? Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, I mean, he'll be in the in the mix. Uh, they just signed Corey Clement today to a one year deal, so uh, that that you know, that obviously creates a. a, a an impediment for the, for the rookie making it, you know, I think one thing that's going to hurt these rookies this year is the, I don't know how this is going to shake out. Obviously I don't think we're going to have any kind of spring work. Uh, they're doing a lot of stuff like, like this on, on, you know, zoom as far as classroom work, which is all they're limited to. Uh, but I mean, we may not even have much of a training camp. So rookies are going to be really behind the eight ball as far as learning off the offense and the defense. And, uh, you know, I mean, when we were talking to Doug Peterson the other day, he even admitted that. I mean, he, he he's nervous about getting, not being able to, to get these kids in and work with them. So I, I, I you know, it, it, as much as we're making a big deal about this draft right now, could be that uh, they're going to have to rely on the veterans because these kids might not be ready whenever the season does start, if there's a season. Well, I heard Ray Dinger say something on WIP on Sunday that was very distressing. He said the stinking Dallas Cowboys may have had the very best draft this year. Say it ain't so, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got C.D. Lamb, uh, uh, you know, which, you know, the, the problem I have with that is they got the best. They got probably the best wide receiver in the draft. Um it just didn't address their biggest needs. So I'm not sure that was where they, it was almost like they were taking that pick uh, as a counter move to, to stop the Eagles. So, um, you know, it, they had a good draft. Uh, you know, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to other teams. Uh, right now you can, you know, when I look at the Eagles draft, uh, most of the leagues seem to have a better draft than they did, but you know, maybe I'm being, uh, maybe I'm overreacting here. I just thought they, they got too into analytics in this draft. The Eagles. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I guess we always worry about the defense and uh, we're not sure what Jim Schwartz has going on. They, they beefed up a little bit in the free agency uh, as we talked about with the linebackers, but is this a better defense if they walked on the field today than it was at the end of last season without Malcolm Jenkins, I guess, to start with. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're going to miss Malcolm uh, more so what he brings cerebrally to that defense, maybe than, what he still brings physically. I mean, because he was the guy that kept everybody uh, where they're supposed to be. And he knew, he just knew what was going on and could anticipate, um, you know, they're going to move Jalen Mills back there and we'll see how that goes. I like the kid they draft. You know, one of the picks I liked that they made was the, the, the Clemson safety, uh, Kayvon Wallace. I mean, I think he's a kid that could help them from day one. Um, you know, he, he can he can he can cover slot receivers. He can cover tight ends. He's going to be a good blitzer. I mean, he's got a, you know he's a kid. You know, I, I talked about the third round pick, uh, Davion Taylor, and his lack of experience. You know, Kayvon Wallace is. Uh, I, I think he played. I want to say he tied the, the the Clemson record for games played there, and he started like thirty some. I mean, he's he's got a plenty of experience, a lot of big game experiences as you guys know from all the, all the playoff games that Clemson's been in the last four years. So, I mean, I think he's going to, he's a guy that could help Schwartz right away. And he's got Brian Dawkins in his corner too, which is kind of nice. So uh, yeah, that, that should yeah. be good. Hey, uh, you mentioned, will there be an NFL season? I know it changes from day to day, week to week. Uh, one of the things being floated now is maybe holding off till mid October playing 16 games without a buy. What are you hearing? Uh, what is going to be the most logical scenario for the NFL this year? I think right now they're, I mean, what they're doing, they're, they're kind of covering their bases. They're, they're, they're planning for everything to be normal. Uh, they'll probably come out with their schedule next week or the week after. Uh, it'll be a 16 game schedule and it'll start in September, but they'll also have contingency plans. Uh, supposedly, they're prepared to start five weeks later than the normal start. They're prepared to play a shorter season. Um, they've weighed, they've talked to people in the league about, well, 
what's the sm- shortest training camp they could have and still be viable. Uh, they've, they've talked about moving the Super Bowl back as, as late as the end of February if they have to. Uh, you know, that's a tricky thing because it's in Tampa. And when, you, you know, the Super Bowl is so huge, uh, you know, we're talking next February. So, I mean, we may be in the same boat with another, you know, with the virus, but, right. you know, you've got, you've got, you've got to worry about hotel availability and all those kind of things when you're moving uh, something as huge as the Super Bowl around. So I don't know uh, how that works, but uh, they're, they're prepared to play in, without fans. I think that's probably a, a good possibility. They've got to figure out a, a testing plan for the players. So there's a lot going on here, a lot of moving parts. But right now, they're still their their idea is to plan like it, you know, like everything's going to proceed uh, on schedule. Well, hey Paul, before we let you go, because we're about out of time, if if the, everything cleared up today, it's go time. Is this team good enough to make the playoffs? We're not going to hold yeah. you to a prediction yet. We'll just say it's good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they improved their defense. Uh, you know, they're we're assuming everybody's going to be healthy, which with this team is never a certainty, but I mean, one of the free agents that I really liked that they signed was the defensive tackle, Justin Hargrave. So they now have three guys inside that that can terrorize uh, uh, quarterbacks right up the middle. And I think that's going to be a a big plus for them. Uh, You know, offensively, you know, they, they add, I think the addition of of some of the coaches, they added some scheme adjustments they're going to be making, you know, some of the people they've added, uh, I think that offense is going to be more productive. I think I think we're going to see a more consistent Carson Wentz this year because of the coaching he's going to get. So yeah, I, I mean, I I think most certainly they're a playoff team. Whether they're a Super Bowl contender has yet to be uh, determined. We'll take it. All right. Well, hey Paul, we appreciate you stopping by, and uh, we keep writing them up on the Inquire.com. We enjoy it every every time you write. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Okay. All right, Jed, all state. Oh, yeah, you're for insurance in the tri state area. We got the spot. <laughs> all state insurance in Westchester, PA. You know it, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an all state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. The phone number 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And hey, Bill, let's squeeze in our shelter-in-place quarantine song of the week. It sounds like a birthday celebration that I'm going to throw out here, Chet, that I think we need to say happy 59th birthday to this classic. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport, the thrill of victory, and the agony of defeat. The human drama of athletic competition. This is ABC's Wide World of Sports. Wide World of Sports uh, today, in 1961, was the first ever show. And uh, Jim McKay's a Philadelphia guy, by the way. That's why it was important to put it in there. How about that? And yeah, that was a staple uh, every Saturday afternoon for me as a kid in the late 60s and early 70s. I uh, love the opening with the skier. And of course, they used to have a lot of boxing on there. Always good to watch Wide World of Sports every weekend. Absolutely. Barrel jumping every so often when they didn't oh, yeah. have anything else. <laughs> Didn't did want to miss that. Well, I just wanted to sneak that in there. I thought it was a good one and a good day to celebrate that. For sure. Well, hey, Jen, week three of our five-week series, building our Mount Rushmore of Philly athletes. You took Mike Schmidt and Bobby Clark so far. I've taken Will Chamberlain and Mike Schmidt. We're picking one a week. Uh, they can end up being the same five if that's how it ends up in the end. So it, it's getting to be a real challenge here as we start winding this thing down. I think uh, today might not be so bad. Week four and five are going to be really tough. So yeah. uh, remember, we're not talking our favorite players here. We're talking about the best players we ever saw with 
The only stipulation we have is that uh, we had to have seen them play. So basically, we're talking mid-60s to the present. So you're up tonight. You ready? I am ready, and I have a feeling we're going to have the same three after tonight. But I don't, I don't know who you're going to say, but I know who I'm saying. Having picked Mike Schmidt and Bobby Clark the past two weeks, I'm going to go with the third obvious one for me and the guy who you named in week one. I wasn't in Hershey in 1962 when he scored 100 points in a game. I did, though, start watching Will Chamberlain and the Sixers in the mid-60s, just in time to see them win the 1966-67 NBA championship after that that amazing season, 68 and 13. We're basing our Mount Rushmore on what we've seen by these athletes since the mid-60s, but Man, I wish I could have seen Wilt's first three years as a Philadelphia Warrior. That's when he averaged 41 points a game. I did see his four years as a Sixer in the mid-60s, including, of course, the title year. And even then, he was averaging 27.6 points a game, nearly 24 rebounds a game, helping them that title uh, with that title victory in 1967. I can't say with absolute certainty that uh, Wilt was better than Michael Jordan. You say that is the case. But he was truly a dominant NBA player and absolutely one of the very best of all time. And, of course, Bill, There was also that claim of Wilts that he had bedded some 20,000 women. And heck, that's Mount Rushmore Rushmore worthy in and of itself. Now, we'll get more on that later. But, Bill, who are you picking this week? Well, we we won't go there. Uh, uh, By the (laughs) way, he is better than Michael Jordan. I know. Uh, Anyway, I am going to uh, fall in line with you. Uh, My third one was an easy one as well. Um, it was just a matter, and, and we have to say, these aren't in necessarily in the order that we have them, um, you know, that we have them listed. But I'm going with Bobby Clark as well, um, the, the, the ultimate captain, the ultimate team leader, um, everything you'd want. i tell you, watching that game last night again on the, the vault, when they opened the vault, showed the 74 Stanley Cup Finals. One thing I noticed about that game, Chet, Bobby Clark, I think, won every faceoff in that game. It was great. Yeah. It was amazing. Uh, seeing him play again last night, not that he was ever in question because he was always going to be my guy at this spot. Watching Bobby Clark's greatness and having an opportunity to watch him as a kid as we were learning hockey, second to none. So Bobby Clark is my guy. So as we said, it could end up the same. You have your three. I have my three. They're both the same. Uh, weeks four or five, maybe not so much. I honestly don't know who I'm going to pick yet in weeks four and five. But before we bring our next guest on, since we have a minute or two, regarding that whole Wilt and his many ladies thing, I came across I came across this clip from the Big Dipper, shall we say, on Conan O'Brien's show back in 1997. And he mentioned to Conan that people always asked him about that claim of his. So let's play that clip. Whenever people see me now, they go, 20,000. And let's see, he must have started when he was like 15, and he's now maybe 55. Mm-hmm. So let's see, 20,365 into 20,000. And, uh, you know, and then... So you're, seven, uh, you're getting people thinking. Not only that, I'm teaching them mathematics, <laughs> which is really the whole, the whole story here, you understand? I don't you know? think that's going to be a word problem for kids. <laughs> <laughs> the math doesn't work, that's for sure. So, hey, uh, Jim, as we get ready for uh, week four and five, are you uh, are you prepared? You say you don't know. I, I pretty much know. I think I know. I honestly don't. I honestly don't. I haven't thought about it enough yet. I knew who my first three were, as I guess you did too. But now it gets really tough. I got about 10 candidates, so I have to decide who <laughs> are – yeah. Uh, I mean, because like I said, I haven't given a, enough thought just yet. I'm not going to mention any names, but it's going to be very, very difficult. So, uh, well, the cream, the the cream comes to the top, top, Jeff. There's not 10 that, that fill the cream. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, why did we add a fifth? Because Mount Rushmore only has four, you know, but we're going with five. Well, I went with five because we couldn't even get five for one team, let alone five for total. So All right. I, was giving us, I was giving us a break. I got you. All right. Well, hey, Jeff, we got insight from Damo, uh, now let's get the fan state from Edge of Philly's Fred Hugo. Fred, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. What's going on? Hey, Fred. So listen, I know you were all over the draft last week. I'm not sure where to start, but what did you like from the Eagles? What did you not like from what the Birds did? I think we all know what most people don't like, but uh, 
I like speed. I like that. I like Jalen Rieger. I thought that was a good pick at 21. Contrary to, you know, I guess the public mock drafts that are out there, a lot of a lot of people going in the second round, but I think he was going to go in the first round. Daniel Jeremiah, who's very plugged in with that type of stuff, had him going 24 to the Saints. I didn't think he was going to get past uh, the 49ers or Green Bay. So I think that, I mean, you may can make the argument for Justin Jefferson if that's who you like, but I did like Rieger. I did like overall that they decided to go with speed. Um, that's something that's been lacking across the board on the offense for the last however many years. I know they tried to do that with Deshaun Jackson. Um, and he got hurt. And the Super Bowl year, often forgotten, is Torrey Smith, who was the speed guy that was able to stretch the field that, you know, opened things up. So I think adding a lot of speed is is certainly going to help Wentz. What I didn't like is taking a second-round draft pick to draft – a second-round pick to draft a backup quarterback. So they tell us. Um, I don't fully buy that. I don't know if they're curious or not buying into Wentz as much as they say they were. I mean, they gave him the contract. They obviously went to the back end of the draft and added speed as well as Rieger in the beginning. But, you know – I don't see where you develop Jalen Hurts, and I don't see him as a Taysom Hill-type guy where you put him out in the slot and throw the ball to him either. So I'm, I'm a, I am was very upset about it. We did a live show, and I was kind of yelling about it. I didn't know it happened, but I've calmed down from there. But I just don't see how that helps Wentz. How the guy finally has the locker room. He showed in the last four games of the season last year, you know, taking the team – on his back with practice squad players and you know you have you have Mims there that's a big receiver with speed that you can take and you had some defensive players there Christian Fulton's a good cornerback out of LSU you also have AJ uh, I all the time Espinosa the edge rusher at Iowa I don't personally not like Hurts but I don't know that I like to pick for the Eagles well, interesting enough, Fred, I don't know if you got to hear him. Uh, Paul Domowitz was just on with us, and uh, he is actually on board with the pick um, in, in the idea that they need a they need a backup quarterback for Carson and that um, Jalen Hurts would not have been there in the third round, according to Paul, that Baltimore uh, was going to take him, which they've already got a stack of quarterbacks down there, but I guess they, uh, they thought enough of, of Hurts that they were going to pick him there. So if you, if you had in mind you needed a backup, I, I'm, it was a head-scratcher to me, too, even though I love Jalen Hurts, my favorite player in, the, in college football last year. Um, the, the spot seemed kind of odd, but maybe Jalen had actually more, uh, more credibility in, with the NFL scouting departments than I was expecting. So uh, Paul thought he would be gone at three in the third round. I, maybe he would have been, but the way they're explaining it, this dual quarterback offense, it's just – remember, I got fooled once, and I was one of the guys that got fooled by the Chip Kelly thing and this <laughs> new offense that they're going to change the league. I'm not getting fooled twice. I, you're, they're not going to reinvent the offense and have two quarterbacks and run a dual wildcat or whatever they say they're going to do, and I don't see how Hurts playing 10 plays a game helps his development. I don't see where he gets the reps to develop as a quarterback weekly, week to week. I just and, – and then that hurts Wentz. What if he's in a rhythm and throwing all over? Then you're going to throw – I just – I don't know. I don't see it. But I do understand the other side of it, I guess. Yeah, I question it as well. I mean, I like Hurts. He's an exciting player. But I'm just not sure how it's going to work out. Uh, first of all, he's not going to get a full training camp. And to bring a college guy right in and expect him to be an adequate backup is asking a lot of a young guy. So I don't know. I'm a little concerned about the whole thing, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Fred, I didn't get to ask Paul about this, and I wanted to. What was the whole deal with Harry, Howie Roseman saying that the Eagles are like running a quarterback factory? <laughs> I didn't get that. They haven't produced a whole lot of great quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, other they have Wentz, but... They haven't done a whole lot beyond that. So I think we just lost Fred temporarily. So when Fred comes back, we'll get into that. But, Bill, what do you think about this whole quarterback factory thing? Fred, you back? 
Yeah, I'm back. I didn't hear what you guys said. I don't know what's going on here. What's the deal with the whole quarterback factory thing that Howie was touting last Friday night? That's like the gold standard when they're announcing that. Like, yeah. what, 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 are we supposed to be a Super Bowl factory? And and not to mention the quarterbacks we have brought in here. I mean, Andy Reid's the only guy that flipped quarterbacks. He flipped A.J. Feely, but that's about it. We didn't get anything for Foles. You know, Bradford, I guess we got something for him. Yeah. Um, that was a really good flip, Bradford, actually. That was probably the, the only time I would say it significantly worked. I don't. I don't understand it. Like, what? Why didn't? Why isn't Sudfeld developed then? If it's if it's a quarterback factory, I I don't I don't buy it. I don't follow it. I, I don't know why he said it. Well, hey Fred. So overall, with all the, I mean, they came out of this thing. I guess uh, from the fan standpoint, they felt like they did okay by the end of the draft by adding all the speed. They added some defensive players and some offensive linemen. Um, you think overall? What, what kind of grade would you give them on this draft? You, I know you followed it pretty close. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I like the tackles out of Auburn, too. The one's got a medical issue, but that's a good chance. And then the other guy, Driscoll, in the fourth or fifth, um, he's like, that's perfect for Big V. We're losing Big V. Now we got another Big V. So I would have to give them a, a B, at least a C or a B, a B probably. The Hurts pick, it, I would just look at it as an, another second-round pick that we missed on. You can't throw the whole other draft out because the whole rest of the draft out because of that. So I'd go B. All right. Well, Fred, I want to switch and get your opinion about the NBA. We we still hear occasional rumblings that they are hoping to somehow finish the NBA season. You know, I guess go right to the playoffs. Very likely without any fans. However, do you think it still might happen? And you know, what will happen? Or are you you're just writing the whole season off at this point? There's so many rumors that keep coming out from Atlantic City to Disney World to, you know, it just seems like they keep just throwing stuff out in the media and seeing how the public will respond. Or the Disney World one sounds a little more plausible, but I I just, I think we're taking these players and we're acting like it's a video game and you're just going to place them in an area, take them away from their families, whatever they got going on in their life to run a tournament. I think some will be okay with that, but other players are going to be like, I'm not doing that. I'm not quarantining myself in an area. So we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully they can get back playing. I'm a, I don't care if fans are in the stands or not, but if they're going to quarantine them in an area, I don't know if that's going to work either. Well, hey, Fred, I'm going to sh- shift over kind of the same subject uh, over to the baseball side. And, you know, there was some – Articles out today about three divisions, one the East, one the West, and one in the Central. Um, I, I got a little little scoop from a, a, a major league contact. I'm going to throw this out kind of quickly at you and Chet both. Um, here, here's, a, here's a concept that's being thrown around, that these the baseball is going to be played in Arizona and Florida. There's going to be a Florida East. East and Florida West and an Arizona East and Arizona West, the East, the, the Florida will play Arizona or play Arizona in the world series. The playoffs will be between the East and the West, and then they'll play each other for the world series. And if something like that would come along, it would be something like the Phillies, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Tigers, the Pirates, the teams that are in that area around Clearwater. And then over on the East coast, they have the nationals and, those teams over there um day trips everything's a day trip empty stands um everybody comes and goes and uh what do you like what do you think of that concept uh with with no fans no media either um games would all be on tv though every one of them um as long as the players i don't know what the situation as far as like the families coming down and all that but i think it might, might be similar to them just going to spring training except they would never come back up so and it's real and down. they count games count yeah yeah exactly the games would count obviously but yeah so um it sounds like that is plausible as long as they're not you know the early talks where they would be quarantined in a hotel you can't leave your hotel you just got to go back and forth from the stadium i, I don't see that happening but what you just said now um, sounds like it could work pending, you know, the families. Because you know, Zach Wheeler already came out and said, nah, I'm good. I mean, I think Trout spoke out against the whole thing at one point. But what you're saying sounds more like they'll be able to live a normal life. It's just no fans. Yeah, Chet, what do you think of that? That's the first time I've thrown that out there. 
Yeah, I, I don't love it, but I do want to have baseball. So if that's the way it's going to be, I'll take it. And then, of course, the other thing that came out today was the possibility of having the teams play in their real stadiums, but without fans. And they would have three 10-team divisions, just three 10-team divisions, no American League, National League. The bad thing for the Phillies, they're going to be lumped in, you know, with the Yankees, the Washington Nationals, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, a lot of tough competition right there, but I think that would make more sense, although it would be kind of tough for the Phillies. Uh, I would like to see that because at least they're playing in their real stadiums. I know it sucks that there wouldn't be any fans involved, at least not initially, but uh, I don't care what they do, Bill. I want to have some baseball, and well, hopefully it will be safe well, to play well, somewhere the, by June. The, the thing about what you're talking about, which was in the paper today, is yeah. uh, they would have to be traveling. They would have to be on planes, and they'd have to be in hotels. The Florida-Arizona thing is everything's a day trip, and it's a bus ride. And the players are going to be tested on a regular basis. Uh, it's not it's not baseball as we know. It's like spring training. It's day trips on buses and uh, come and go each day individually in no, no hotel stays. So, uh, you know, the travel obviously is a big thing, and the hotels and everything that goes with that is uh, is a big deal. Well, we'll see what happens. I don't know. All right. Hey, Fred, as a, as a season ticket, you're still a season ticket holder at the Sixers, right? The, have they talked to you at all? Anything come in the mail from them? They have a uh, town hall that I haven't fully read the email. A town hall for everyone, May 7th is what it says, uh, virtually. They have not talked about next year's season tickets yet. Um, they, they suspended the billing um, until this is all resolved. I don't know where, where I stand with it. It just in regards to how they handled the uh, the employees in the beginning, um, but they, they, uh, there's a town hall next or whatever the set whenever the seventh is, and I'll probably listen in on that, but I'm not sure where I'll be from there. Very good. Back, back to back to the Eagles before we close out. Uh, overall, or is this a better football team right now after the draft and after the free agency and all that? Is this a better team if we play in 2020? have speed so like that's that's very very important I, I think that's huge if we can have speed now I just question though they're late round picks and we see this a lot that you draft in the late rounds and then they end up getting cut so oh we, we didn't talk about the trade so they acquire Marquise Goodwin that's a great great value trade if he's um, healthy with more speed. so I like I like that if he's healthy that's a veteran um, I think it's a better team. You add a safety, Kayvon Wallace from Clemson. He could play – he's kind of a – that what do they call it? They're calling people positionless now. So, I guess moving up the linebacker back and forth, he needs some help, you know, uh, defensively when in the pass game, but I'm sure he can develop into that. And um, they added that linebacker as well who uh, – he's very young, but he's got some speed too. So, I think it's a better team on paper, I guess, but <laughs> we got to see him play, right? Yep. That's right. All right. Chad, anything else for Fred before we let him tell us uh, where he can be found to get his updates? Let's let Fred go, go on his way tonight, go have a beer, and uh, you got another show, don't you, Fred? Yep, yep. So, yeah, you can find me in about, uh, what time is it? About, about another hour and 45 minutes on Facebook, on Edge of Philly's Facebook, or you can go to edgeofphilly.com and then me directly search Fred Hugo. Um, on Facebook and then Twitter and Instagram at Fred Hugo underscore. And I appreciate you guys having me on. And the bottom line looks awesome. You guys got it all set up here. Edge of Phillies, Fred Hugo. You got the the the, the th You guys are killing it. Look at you. Awesome. <laughs> We're having fun. <laughs> Have a good one. Hey, if you're going to go, go big, right, Fred? <laughs> go big, right? Yo, by the yeah. way, look who's who's over my uh, shoulder here. I don't know if you. I met the that, That's uh, that's your your man there, my dad. <laughs> I see him. <laughs> All right, All right you, Fred. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, Fred. Bye. Hey, Chad, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are one in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out the Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Razroom. That's right. 
It's PPCC 118 Razroom on Facebook. Yes, sir. All uh, right. Hey, Chet, we had great guests again tonight in Damo and Fred. And uh, so tell us, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, next week, Bill, we're going to be joined by a guy who was supposed to be on with us in early March to preview the NCAA tournament. Remember the NCAA tournament? Never happened. Uh, he ended up postponing his visit because, yeah, the whole tournament and the rest of the sports world got wiped out thanks to the coronavirus. But we're going to have him on next week anyway, just to talk about whatever. It's Bob Boop Vitrone from Betters Insider. In addition, Bill, I'm going to have an interview with an author who has just written a book, written and published a book called 93 Things to Do While Stuck at Home. And a handful of them happen to be sports related. He's actually a former colleague of mine from uh, the building that I'm in right now, the Dow Jones, the Dow Jones building in Princeton, South Brunswick. So uh, he's an old friend of mine and he is an author these days. His name is David LaRiviere. So Two cool guests next week, Bill. Plus, you and I will continue with our Mount Rushmore project. Yes, we will. All right, looking forward to it. Hey, Chet, we modified and updated our Philly Press Box Radio website where you can now watch this podcast. Uh, we have our Vimeos, some current Philly sports articles, some articles we've written as well. Um, we're, we're moving on up. Yeah, we are. Um, the website's pretty cool. Check it out. It's phillypressboxradio.com. And by the way, I just posted on there the fact that we are having a spring sale on our fabulous T-shirts, just like I'm wearing, just like you're wearing, and just like uh, people are seeing on their screen right now. Uh, the big news, as we did last holiday season, we are again selling our Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts, those that we have left in stock, at our costs. The shirts are available in unisex sizes, medium through 3XL, and you can choose from regular for 10 bucks or dry fit, $12. Again, that's our cost, and that is five bucks below what we were charging when they came out last spring. You do have to add $2 if you're getting 2XL or 3XL. The regular material shirts, like I'm wearing, are cotton polyester, while dry fit, like Bill is wearing, are 100% polyester. Our green logo is on the front, and our sponsors' logos are on the back. You can choose from green, gray, or black background, and specify whether you want regular material or dry fit. If you need them shipped, add $7 for one or $10 if you're ordering two. They make a great gift for Philly sports fans. you got Father's Day coming up, Mother's Day too even. Again, just 10 bucks for the regular material, 12 bucks for dry fit, add 2 bucks more for 2XL or 3XL sizes. We do also still have a few, very few red logo shirts with us. The sale, though, is limited to the shirts that we have in stock. So message one of us. I'm Chet, Jim Chesco. He's Bill, Bill Furman, in case you've forgotten. When you're ready to order, uh, just you know, do that or click on the Contact Us tab in the upper right-hand corner of our phillypressboxradio.com website. All right. Looking forward to it. All right, Chet, we're, uh, we're moving right along. How about uh, a parting shot for you? Well, Bill, as you know, I'm sure you know, because we've had several of their people on our show over the last few years, WMMR 93.3. Uh, I think we've had four or five of their on-air personalities visiting us on our show. And last Thursday, the new Rolling Stone song, Living in a Ghost Town, came out. It's great, by the way. Uh, when that came out on Thursday, I texted Jackie Bam Bam about it. And he's, he's a big, huge Stones fan like I am. And he told me to call into the station. Thursday evening. So I did. And he convinced me to do a brief appearance on the radio with him and to uh, even throw in a little pitch for our show. So I, of course, did. Here's that brief audio clip. Oh, who loves you, baby? And who's picking up their clothes on the floor first? Hey, everybody. This is Chet in Hamilton, a big Stone fan. I love the new song. And I love listening to Jackie Bam Bam whenever I possibly can. And check out my podcast, Philly Press Box Radio. We had Bernie Perron on with us last night, and Bernie is the man. Stay safe, everybody, and keep listening to Jackie Bam Bam. Love you, Jackie. I do love Jackie. In addition to that, I want to wish WMMR a very happy birthday. See, MMR went on the air exactly 52 years ago, April 29th, 1968, and they're still doing the rock and roll thing and killing it every day. Great station, great bunch of people. So happy 52nd MMR and happy sixth anniversary to Philly Press Box Radio. It's our birthday, too. 
Absolutely. And as we said in the in the lead, uh, we're excited about it. Long time, six two hundred and eighty five shows. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Let's do another two hundred and eighty five, partner. Yeah. And one other thing I want to mention, Bill. Uh, I didn't write this down, but I somehow remembered it. Uh, we just went live over the past five days with our very own YouTube channel. So if you go on to YouTube, just type in in the search area at the top, Philly Press Box, and you'll see the first option is the Philly Press Box radio channel. We just have three things on there right now, but you know, about a dozen or 15 people have looked at them already without any promotion. But now that we're promoting it, we hope to have a few million. You never know. Think big, as you said. So, yeah, we're going to start adding our weekly shows in addition to, you know, some Vimeo things and other odds and ends. So it's YouTube. Just type in Philly Press Box or Philly Press Box Radio in the search area, and you'll see our beautiful little channel. There you go. Good deal. We're moving on up, Chet. Took us six years to get there. Hey, Chet, my parting shot is don't forget to join us in just a few minutes at 8.05, so actually just 12 minutes away. For Philly Press Box Radio Sports Trivia on the Bill Furman Facebook Live page. As we said, we had a lot of fun with that. We've got a lot of people have joined in, and uh, we're, we're, we're doing good. 40 questions again tonight, uh, 40 questions, 40 answers. You are testing your own knowledge. You're not battling against anybody. You're testing your own knowledge. So, uh, like I say, been a lot of fun. And, Chet, you even participated last week. And that brings me to my complaint, Bill. I did, I did take part on Sunday along with, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 or so other people at the time. And I think the, the leader had 16 out of 40. I had 15 out of 40. I think your questions are a little tough sometimes. I need questions like this. I need questions like, uh, who quarterbacked the Eagles to their victory in Super Bowl 52? I could get that one without a problem. How about this one? Who managed the Phillies in 2018 and 19 and was a fan of coconut oil? I think most people would get that one. I need easier questions, damn it. Well, there's some easy ones tonight, the chat. I I make these up even thinking that you might get them right. (laughs) Yeah, 15 out of 40. I was kind of disappointed with myself, but nobody else did a whole lot better. Like I said, I think 16 was the most. So you had some tough ones in there on Sunday, my friend. Well, some of them are supposed to be tough. That's why they're trivia. You know what I mean? If if, if everybody knew about them, then they'd just be stuffed. I understand. Yep. All, All right. right. So, hey, with that, let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Paul Domowitz and Fred Hugo. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, May 6th at 7 p.m. <clears throat> You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com or on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, a whole bunch more. So with that, high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and stay safe out there.